Hey guys, you're on with Ashley Goring. Favorite time of year for me. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, very crazy with the kids and that. I'm sure a lot of you, a lot of my fans out there have experienced that if you have kids. Now today, you guys are super lucky because finally you guys get to hear from my husband. <laughs> After all this time, I don't know, like 15 episodes now, uh, finally, Tim is now on with me. Hey, babe. Hi. Uh, how does it feel finally being on my podcast? Um, I feel slightly awkward right now, but Why? I'll probably uh, probably relax and do it right now. <laughs> well, I just I haven't I haven't been part of it, but it's been going on, and I'm super <laughs> curious. And I I guess I shouldn't be because I could listen to all of them. I've just been really busy, <laughs> so I have listened to a little bit. Um, Yes. <laughs> and I guess I'm just a little bit anxious about the questions you're going to ask because it's a, it's a tough subject to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the subject that we are talking about today is, I think, uh, it's a subject I've wanted to do for a long time, but it's a subject that I think affects so many families in today's world, really, right? Um, and it's addiction. And for you, it was a drug addiction, right? I mean, addiction can come in so many different types, right? But for you, it was a drug addiction. Um, and so we're talking about your story today of the addiction that you, uh, that I guess took over you, would that be the right term to say? I, I don't think so. I think that, okay. I think that addiction is a really nuanced thing. And I think that a lot of people have this misconception that you just take a drug and it takes over your life. It's, it's a lot more complicated than that. Okay, well, I mean, that's that's why I do this podcast so that, you know, even questions that I have, you know, I think I might know the answer to. And really, I don't. Because for me personally, you know, to tell everyone out there, I have never had like an addiction. Like, I've, I don't believe I have an addictive personality. Um, so I don't know anything like this. I wouldn't know, right? I can only speculate. And that's why I like to do these these episodes so that people like in my position can understand where someone in your position is coming from and what everything means. Right. Uh, because we can't possibly know if we've never been down that road. Um, so, I mean, Tim and I are very open about our lives for the most part. Would you not agree? Yeah, of course. So Tim's been very, for the most part, pretty open about, um, his, uh, addiction not with me but uh i still think there's things like i like you just pointed out that i don't think i know in that right so let's uh let's i guess kind of go back to the beginning on this okay so what age for you did you start using drugs like what was we're not talking about like tylenol right like we're talking about you know like again to high school you experiment right like for me it would have been weed at 17 <laughs> Mm -hmm. right I mean I guess it could be alcohol too technically right yeah if we're talking technicalities I I, I guess I'm just talking about is that that's not a technicality okay so what would alcohol. you what would you consider if alcohol, someone alcohol is a heart a really potent drug right definitely right yeah I think that technically my first drug I ever would have done would be caffeine right like I was really into drinking jolt colas and, like, I had the Chinese Red Bulls before Red Bull was a thing. Um, 
cannabis, I found cannabis when I was like 15 years old and I found that that was a, was a drug that I, I really, really enjoyed. Actually, it was something that made my life a lot more enjoyable. Why um, is that? Uh, just the way I feel when I consume cannabis. Mm-hmm. Um, but like kind of a, a, you know, give a bit more detail of why it's, why it's made you like, okay, so one thing I can say to our listeners is you have ADHD. So that's a factor for it, right? Right. I mean, I think, I think when I first started using cannabis, it was it wasn't, wasn't so much using it that way. Uh, and then I think a novice user when you're, when you're getting really stoned, um, you're definitely, you're, there's an intoxicating effect. Uh, like I find now and definitely with the proper cultivars and proper dosage, it can definitely helps me focus. But, uh, when I was a kid, I did find like a lot of escape in it. And, um, you know, for me, like when I first smoked marijuana, I just felt awesome, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and then, yeah, there was some times where it really helped me drill down and focus hundred percent. Uh, but back when I was 15, that's not how I was using cannabis. Um, I definitely got given a lot of different drugs for ADHD. Um, I was prescribed drugs for ADHD, prescribed drugs for depression. This was actually a little bit later on. Uh, it was after my cannabis use, uh, started, uh, and I tried using those drugs and they don't want you to use cannabis at all. They want you to use those drugs, which are also of course, mood altering drugs mm-hmm. and they didn't really work for me. Um, well, so. not, and not every drug works for every person. I mean, you've, you've now witnessed what happens to me when like canvas <laughs> enters me, right? Like, yeah. and I've only done it like the minimal touch. <laughs> like I don't have one bad experience. I never wanted to touch it again. Yeah. Like, cause it was so harsh for me whereas like everyone has ever said to me they're like I've never even heard of anyone like going into that extreme for right but like every person it affects it differently yeah. right I mean you know when I had our girls right just this the drugs they pumped into me for my c-section like I would puke automatically right like it's just yeah. well, yeah. most people probably would but <laughs> I, think, I think that's one of the things with those hardcore opioids or whatever um Okay, so the first thing you tried, you you kind of more consider caffeine was like, I mean, I, that's probably for most well, kids, I mean, though, right? I, I, I kind of have a really analytical mind, right? And I'm like, I'm going to look at, you know, something that really alters your, your mood and your state of being. That's definitely a drug, right? Um, oh, for sure. I mean, nicotine look at... are definitely drugs. I used to use a lot of nicotine as well, right? Um, well, look at people with coffee. I mean, so, caffeine. Yeah, I definitely right use there. cannabis. Uh, for my first thing that really got me, you know, feel really high. And, and so I used it recreationally. Uh, I just used it to sleep, um, you know. Which like, a lot of people do. Yeah. So what do you think of, uh, okay, so going on to this is what's the first drug kind of thing that you use um, besides like caffeine and that. What do you think of people calling it the gateway drug? Like what do you think of that term when someone says that? I think that was a term that was just made up as an argument, like against cannabis, because you could, you could say that, right? I think it's kind of like connecting dots that don't really have a connection, right? Right. Um, when there's people are saying the gateway drug, I think what they're referring to is it's a gateway to uh, going down a rabbit hole with with a with a much stronger drug, and I don't think that that's the case. I think people that 
and go down those rabbit holes with those much stronger drugs, they're definitely going to use cannabis, but that's not why they end up turning to those stronger drugs. Uh, it could just be a party thing that does get out of hand. That does mm-hmm. happen for some people, but most people, it, it gets out of hand because they have, you know, underlying problems and they're self-medicating in some way, right? Right, um, right. And so what was, what was the, did you experiment with other things before the drug that you got really addicted to? Um, well, I, I definitely, I think I tried like, uh, psilocybin mushrooms, uh, maybe once or twice. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, then you, then you went to your drug was, do you want to tell everyone what your drug was? That you so, went? so my drug of choice when I went to rehab, uh, would have been cocaine. And, and what age were you when you started trying it? I think I would have been 18. 18. Okay, so you actually weren't as young as actually I thought. I thought it was a bit younger for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, it might have <laughs> been a little bit before. It might have been like 17 and a half. But, you know, more or less. Yeah, okay. Yeah. doesn't really too much matter. Yeah, probably technically two. something um, like that. But So what made, you, what made you try that to begin with? Were you just curious or did someone offer it to you? Like what? I think the very first experiences that I had with cocaine was uh, like I didn't really snort it or get high off of it. It was just, you know, I think one of, one of my friends had it and we put it like on top of uh, bowls of cannabis and we were, we were smoking it. Uh, and like calling it like a cocoa puff, but we like you weren't really getting high off of it, I don't think. And and so I, what it did for me is it removed a barrier. And I think um, the other thing that I think about when I think about this is, uh, you know, I I I originally I didn't really I thought that you know drugs were bad. You know, I believed what what I was told you shouldn't do drugs, but then I kind of like had this idea that like okay maybe I should try. Try it, you know, try everything once, see how it makes you feel, like make mm-hmm. sure it's safe, research it. And so I did that, right? And cannabis seemed pretty safe, so I definitely used So you actually researched cocaine before trying it? Like you did? No, I didn't research cocaine. So okay. let me just kind of get there. So, okay, okay. So I, so I, so I, did, I did that, definitely. Like, I, I, oh, I tried salvia. I, I researched that. I researched uh, mushrooms, researched uh, cannabis, but then try all these things and, like, realize, like, they're not really that what they, they, they people say they are, right? Okay. Um, and so I think what that created was doubt in the sense that like, hey, well, if these drugs are fine, I mean, I should just try everything, right? So, you know, cocaine, then people say is that's like the next most popular drug, right? Like after, mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. cannabis. And uh, um, when did I really start getting into it? I think it was just kind of a thing like when I was drinking like when I was a bit older you start to drink on the weekends with friends yeah yeah you just kind of start getting that cocaine as like an extra thing to get a little more and I had friends that like I was just kind of like the guy that could always get hooked up and so like I would get a little more and then could could give it to other people and that would allow me to to get it for more or less for cheaper for free uh and so then i just started i just started using it it was just a party thing really but then it was so it was like alcohol and cocaine would go together 
right? And then you would use cocaine. And this is, like, how most people really have bipolar problems. Like, it's like a drinking thing. Like, you, you drink and you do blow. And for me, it was, like, a trifecta. I would drink and do blow and then, like, uh, smoke cannabis, just really try to numb my mind. But obviously, there was there was a progression. So kind of, uh, like, to... Because th- that was actually something I was hoping you were going to bring up. Explain why you would when you're drinking, then why you would do blow? Like, what would be the reason that would make you want to go and do it? Like, I kind of... Like, as, like why do drug users do that? Yeah. Right? So that people understand so like, that... So like, that, like, like alcohol, alcohol is like a depressant or like yeah. what they would call, like in the drug community, they would call like a downer. Yeah. Um, so a downer is a drug, is like an opioid or alcohol or anything that kind of like... It's just how it affects the system. It, like, makes you go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then an upper or a stimulant is what cocaine is. And so what you can do is you, you basically make the party continue and continue by, like, going, put, putting yourself go up and down and then you don't sleep and all that madness. And I just wanted you to explain that a bit so that, like... I mean, you've explained to me, but, like, someone that would have been in my situation, you know, like... I never used it, would have mm-hmm. never known how, why someone, why, like what you said, alcohol and cocaine go hand in hand kind of thing, right? And so that's, I just wanted you to explain that for anyone that's doesn't know why, right? Because um, it's not something I understood until you explained it to me, really. Yeah, like I'm not trying to give anybody a textbook on how to use cocaine. No, like no, no. It really no. hurt me and it hurt, and it hurt, it damaged my life a lot. Um, no, but I want people to understand it. Uh, we're like how the lifestyle was too, right? And that's why we're right. About I just this. I just realized like what everything I said so far. <laughs> I just really think that it's important that anybody that's listening, um, in case they don't continue listening, uh, mm-hmm. hears uh, the real truth about the about what it does to your life. Of course. Well, I hope my listeners that start my episode finish it. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so. So, okay, so was that like a party and that is when you kind of started, or sorry, you said like taking, what was it, Cocoa Puffs? Is that what you called them? Okay, so that was that, yeah. There was a long, like that that <laughs> happened and that was my first exposure. Uh, and how did I really start doing it? Like, you know, like I was just, I was like, to get really honest about it all, like I was a fucking sad, lonely kid and I was angry and, you know, in hindsight, like I can see it a lot clearer, like everything that was going on with me, but as a kid, you know, I just... You know, I didn't want to be alone and I, and I just, I wanted to have friends and I wanted to be cool. And for me, that was the party life was just my way that I I learned to connect with people because when I was younger, like I was really a big outsider and then the cannabis gave me some friends. But then when I started wanting to party, I mean, all the pot smokers are sleeping. So you got to go, got to go drinking. Right. And, and, you know, I wasn't into drinking and all that and I didn't think it was that cool, but drinking with cocaine, like I. I don't know, it kind of became, became my thing, like, um, you know, and then there's just a downward spiral that happens when you're not sleeping at night, there's, oh, there's, for sure. there's side effects. For sure, for sure, and uh, it takes you down a path that you really don't see yourself on some level starting to go down, right? Yeah. I imagine, like, you just don't see that path happening, and it's downward spiral like you're talking about, right? Yeah. Like, so, I, like I had like some, some things kind of happen at school, um, where, you know, like 
my teachers weren't too happy and they were getting kind of withdrawn from all my classes. Like, I don't know why the principal did that. And then basically made me beg my teachers to get me back. And so I like, I went back in with like a half schedule in, in grade 12. And then that like, and then I was like, so I was slacking like hard. And then I basically lied, said I was going to take correspondence to actually graduate. Then I didn't actually graduate in 2005. Mm-hmm. I actually ended up going to uh, alternate education in 2000 and then finishing school in 2006 uh, in alternate education. Mm-hmm. And all through that, like I was using drugs, just going to school, using drugs. So during drugs this... to kids at school... During this time, like, um, like, were you really withdrawn from, like, your home life and that? Like, did your parents, like, question you? Like, is everything okay? Did they, like, notice that something? I mean, I've somewhat talked to your mom briefly about it, and she said she did start seeing the signs of, like, how you looked and that, and she could tell. And we'll can talk about farther what ends up actually happening with your parents, but... Um, like, did you, did they sit down and question you? Like, what's going on with you? Like, you sound like you're really withdrawn though. So it was probably somewhat hard to kind of really get anything out of you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, like looking back on it, it's hard to know. Like I was, I was good at hiding. Mm -hmm. I was good at hiding it. I was good at hiding from my parents. I was good at, you know, staying away. Um, Okay, so in this downward spiral, um, something, well, to use your words, um, what started happening in your downward spiral? I mean, I know some of the stuff that ended up happening in that, but tell me, like... It's hard to remember everything exactly in, in, uh, right? you know, when when you're... So you at one point get caught by your parents, I do know that, and... Tell me about that. It was in your room or something, and that's how you end up getting kicked out of the house. Right. So tell me about this incident of when that happened. I think we were just having a party, kind of like having some friends over, and parents let me have friends over downstairs, which was really cool, and we went to go do some, chop up some lines and do them in my room, and my dad came home or whatever and walked right in and caught uh, one of my friends uh, definitely won't say his name, but mm-hmm. he's listening. He knows who he is mm-hmm. and, uh, actually lifted him up and threw him out the front door. <laughs> so on some level you might, I mean, to me, knowing your dad and everything, he must've suspected stuff and just snapped when he saw it almost. Do you think? I have no idea. We yeah. didn't talk about that. Okay. So then from, so what happened after, so he threw your friend out of the house. What happened with you? Exactly. I mean, I don't really recall those events exactly, to be honest. Okay, but you, okay, so, but they threw you out of the house, basically, is what happened after that. Can't remember if those were the exact events. Okay, so let's jump to the event, though, that you were no longer in the house because, because your drug had gone out of control. Yeah, basically, it was just more important to me to be able to do whatever the fuck I wanted than, right. you know... And so what happened when you got thrown out of the house? Where, what happened to you? Where did you go? What? I went and I lived with a friend and his parents. And this is the same friend that got thrown out of the house? No. No. Okay. It was a different one. So there was, was, you had, you had a a group of people that you were pretty close with, with 
Yeah, I was the only one that did blow in the world. Well, no, no, I'm just saying, like... <laughs> Still not. Still <laughs> no. haven't gone away. <laughs> no, no. Um, and tell me about that experience. So, you, I mean, they let you come and live there. Like, on some level, did they know what was going on? Or do you think they, they say they didn't. I don't know how they could, but, like, so my friend's parents, like, they were definitely, like, I think they were definitely alcoholics. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of drinking that went on in that house. Uh, they showed me a lot of love and care and fed me and, ho- and housed me. And I, I'm really, really grateful for those people. Um, and they are very nice people. I know who you're talking about. And I've been in that house many times. You know, They're very nice people. Could they be that willfully blind? I, I don't know. I mean, we were, they definitely knew they were buying us alcohol and cigarettes. I mean... Um, and you guys were 17. At the time. I was 17. My yeah. friend, I think, was 16. Okay, right. Yeah, that's true. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That would have been 18, I think, when I actually... So, like, were you were you guys just, like... So, you weren't going to school while living with them? Is that what was happening? Pardon me? Like, so when you were living with them, were you still going to school? Like, were you working? Like, what was happening still in your life? Now it's hard to it's hard to remember obviously um, on some level here because you're you, these are times where you would have been high right and some of that I imagine I've never been there but some of it you might not be able to recall would that be true? Yeah, I don't think I was. I don't think I was working. I was just. Uh, yeah, I was just. So when my my well whatever work you want to call it, but. <laughs> uh, did you still have a girlfriend in that at the time? Cause I know you had a girlfriend. You I had a girlfriend have... at one point, but yeah, we definitely broke up through, through like, I think around the same time I kind of left, stopped living with my parents. And I think I had a job. I think I lost my job. And when, when did, did you guys break up because of your drug issue? And in, in a, yeah, it was related. Okay, so she she ended it or she ended it because basically I had hid it from her how bad and what it was really going on and uh, you know some of her friends were a lot more into the the drug culture than she was and they knew a bunch of stuff that she didn't so when she found that out she was just really shocked and offended and it wasn't about drug use it was about you know trust and. Of violating course. that and that's that's fair that's understandable it totally um, is understandable yeah. I, I understand um you know those things i think what happened was like it all kind of came to a head and then those were some of the things that kind of came to me kind of getting to what was my my personal rock bottom okay um i can't remember but i think i think i remember um Drugs damage your brain. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really, it's really fucking interesting. You get a lot smarter when you stop doing this. Especially, like, I think the regular, the regular heavy drinking is really bad for your brain. Oh, for sure. Well, like we've talked about, alcohol's a drug, right? And yeah. it's going to do damage, you know, with just like another drug would if you're heavy, heavily doing it. Um, so... 
being being that we are parents now so talking about like you're out of the house and that right your parents have kicked you out they've made a very clearly hard decision but a decision I mean you know in my opinion I think they made the right decision mm-hmm. right because you did end up hitting your rock bottom um but it would have been a super hard decision but being parents now that we are you know you're a parent can you imagine the turmoil they were going through having to worry where you were every single day and that like you know yeah it's tough to think about that you know being a parent now I mean like like how would they let that go like I I, I when I think about that back through the lens of today um it's a tough cookie to swallow you know mm-hmm. I feel like you know my I don't think my parents are the kind of strong people that would have the strength to accept what they couldn't control and still sleep at night so I think that they lost a lot of sleep yeah you know and how how much does losing sleep affect everything you do during your life you know mm-hmm. and I'm not going to take responsibility and feel guilty about that today but I am going to you know take a minute and have some gratitude for what the fuck they had to deal with yeah um yeah it brings brings some emotions just to think about it to be honest well that's okay I mean that's it's an emotional subject right like you lived a, you lived a lifestyle that I imagine hurt quite a few people, right? Unfortunately, you you did or pro, you know. I don't know. I mean, I was a pretty nice guy through most of it. I mean. Okay. Well, maybe some things you did might have hurt some people on that, right? I mean, if. You must admit, your parents probably were hurt because they had to make a really hard decision, right? Oh, yeah. Right? So uh, your girlfriend at the time felt like the trust was broken. So there was some hurt feelings. Oh, totally. People right? get hurt, totally. You know? Um, I mean, you hurt yourself most of all. Right. That's the biggest one, right? <laughs> right. Um, so some people did get hurt. Um, so how? what was your rock bottom? What was it exactly that was your rock bottom for you? You know, I think it's just, you know, I definitely learned this from the program, but I, looking back on like, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, when you like feel like you need to have like a bump of cocaine to have energy to like go to work or go do something. Like I was using by the end of it, like all, like all day, every day, basically. Right. You know, Hmm. to modulate my mood, I would use, you know cocaine to like get me up and get me active um and then i would balance that out with uh cannabis to relax and focus and then use alcohol to fucking party like what the fuck is that mess right and so um you know i learned a lot of really good things in rehab that uh really equipped me to live life like it's like it worked out good in the long run but it was a bit of a rough how long how long was the period that you were doing this hard partying for not long i don't think it was super hard partying probably for like not even a year and see that's really crazy that you say that because i mean we look at people like like cocaine use would have been longer but like there was you know like i you know but like i was and i never partied like as far as the amount of cocaine that i used like i think i used the amount like just enough to like keep drinking and stuff but like yeah, like, I don't remember ever doing more than, like, a gram, gram and a half in a night. 
right? Like to my dome, like these people talk about snorting eight balls and shit, staying up for days. Like I never did anything like that. I like sleeping. But that's my point. Like, so you had a a different, like your rock bottom was pretty quick. My rock bottom, like a lot of people from all the people that I met through rehab and the program. Like I didn't, I didn't have a, my rock bottom was pretty high up, you know? I get like, luckily, like my parents did instill with me like a standard of living and give a fuck, I guess, enough to. Well, and you, you love to be loved, right? And I can't imagine like that you were feeling loved from anywhere once you were. Yeah, I didn't really have, you know, God bless my parents. And, you know, I wasn't super close with them, especially not this time. And, you know, I think when, when I like my girlfriend kind of stopped being, wanting to be there for me and, and, uh. You know, I, I, I just, there just wasn't anything to live for, you know, like I literally, I was, I was a hopeless person, you know, like I, like I couldn't, I didn't think I would ever not be addicted to drugs at one point in my life. It scared the fucking shit out of me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and like it was a long time, like I don't really get like the cravings and stuff now, like I might think about doing it, but it's like not like not like it used to be um but it took years so okay so let's uh because we'll come back to that um once we talk about your rehab and that so what did you do so you hit your rock bottom like had you been sober for a few days to realize this how did you hit this rock bottom like did you realize i need to call no, my like parents I, fucking, I, I just woke up i think i just literally just woke up one day and, and decided to to try to change my life and, um, and how did you do that? What was the first step that you so did? So I, I called my parents. I told them that's what I wanted. They say, well, if that's what you want, you know, come home. And we talked about it. And, and they and, and he and my parents instantly um, started talking to everybody they knew that knew anything about it. Found out about, like, the best rehabs that existed. Mm-hmm. Um found out the best rehab in the country was a place called uh, Edgewood but they were full and the waiting list was pretty long okay um, but the guys that opened that had just opened another one called Cedars and it was just opened and I actually they got me a placement in there I think in about two weeks and I worked really hard and uh, worked really hard to stay clean for that two weeks to try to so for two weeks, you had to wait for two weeks. Yeah, you couldn't, I, you wanted couldn't... To, I wanted to try to be clean in my parents' house, right? And so I stayed there and I worked really hard on, 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 on being clean and like, you know, trying to pay off some of my debt by, 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 by selling cocaine and not doing any of it. And um, did you actually succeed in that? Like you actually sold it and didn't do it? Yeah, for like, for like a week and I was, I was all gone and then, uh, and then I got... I don't know. I think I got really hammered the night before, but never even did blow the night before I went to rehab, but did get drunk. But yeah, I don't think it all mattered that much. Uh, you know, for me, I think that rehab was more about getting better than like a detox thing. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't, I wasn't that deep in the hole and, uh, I wasn't that hardcore. Like, like it was a really because it was the mix of the alcohol with the with the cannabis and the and the and the cocaine that I was using all these three things, 
I just don't think I was like, I wasn't drinking enough that I wasn't super chemically dependent on alcohol. You don't become chemically dependent on cocaine, really. Like it's a, just a brain trick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, so, so, so it wasn't that bad. Like when I went to rehab, like it put yourself in perspective of like where you're at and not to say that I should be comparing myself to anybody else, but I was pretty blessed to be getting in there when I did. Right. Right. Cause Cedars is a pretty big name. Like, I mean, I've heard it so many times like on intervention and I mean, it's talked about, like I know. Really? Yeah. Cedars. I'm pretty sure like it, like intervention Canada. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, good, yeah. good place to say. Um, so I think it's a very, very well-known one, like you said. Um, and uh, so you said that you got drunk the night before you went to rehab. So I, I know you. I know when you're nervous and that about going and doing something, you drink. Were you scared to go? Of course. Well, that's what I want to know. Like, were you scared or were you just pumped? Like, no, I'm facing this demon. I'm done. Like, I, I think I was just like, also like, you know, like how you like, you know, when you're a kid and you fucking watch too much TV, you start to, like, think that things should happen the way they're on TV, you know, and everyone always has that one last hurrah, like, and if I was going to stop, if it was going to be the last time I ever had a sip of booze, in, in like, or, like, or the last, my last chance, I should just go and do it, you know, or something stupid right. like that. <laughs> and then I think I, like, got too hammered and ended up going home early and, uh, yeah. Okay, so what was rehab like? Like, what was, when you first got there, like, was it everything that you kind of expected or was it completely different than what you expected? I didn't have a lot of preconceived notions about rehab, to be honest. Um, I, don't I, just, think, I don't think I do either. I really <laughs> just hoped that they it, it would help me get better. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really, really nice. Like a calming kind of place, like, um, like I no. imagine it like a big giant spa looking. It wasn't quite a spa. I mean, it, they just opened, and what it was a refurbished uh, head trauma center, I guess. Oh, okay. I don't know, like people used to live like it was weird, and, but so not everything had been recouped on the land, and so and we could go on these trails. It was really kind of cool that way. Uh, there was three people to a room. There was three twin bread beds in a room and three desks. Okay, so you uh, shared rooms with people. Yeah, and then there was like a couple lodges, and so there's there rooms, and then a central area, and then shared bathrooms. Um, but the whole facility was pretty nice. They had really, really good chefs and really, really good food, which made the whole experience so much more bearable. Um, so how did it feel though? Okay, sharing a room like we we were talking about how you've withdrawn from so many people and that you're hiding so much from so many people like that must have been hard to now share a bedroom with people like that would be hard for me and you know what I mean like I'm not someone that likes to share besides with you like I could never sleep like an hostel like people do (laughs) your whole your whole day when you're in rehab is pretty much structured like there's not really much free time okay and then like there's lights out at at 10 was that hard for you to follow that did you feel um, I just became really disciplined and it actually, at the time it really worked for me. Like I didn't carry on into my life in any way, shape or form, but the discipline, uh, like I was, it just like reminded me of like when I was a really young kid 
and I used to have bedtime at home and I would just sit in bed and that would be a really good time for me to think and reset and I would just do that and I would uh, I actually started writing and I wrote a, a big book of poems which I actually had lost later which is probably horrible it, would have been, it was really good I think maybe um, I'm sure it was but uh, I was I did a lot of writing uh, which helped me sleep but it was so weird like if I if I if I couldn't sleep I would just write and then I, once I was done writing I could sleep somehow and everyone else was really respectful uh, you know we talked a little bit you know it's, um, definitely get some characters in there do you make friends like in rehab like I mean I know you don't have anyone from it that I'm aware of from today do you like is that do you keep friends from rehab like how people like, that are in rehab are like so toxic and damaged right like I, it took so much love and care to get to where I am now right. even from the person I was when I left it was really the tools that I got there that I've been using for my whole life that was that's was the big, the big benefit. Right. You know, I didn't, I didn't even instantly get clean. Like I was clean for a while. I've had times of complete sobriety. But, okay. You know. So how long were you at rehab for? 47 days. 47 days. And why'd you leave after 47 days? Um, so the council, like, so the rehab that I went to, they basically, what they want is you basically stay there until they think that you're ready to go as long as you can afford it. Okay. Um, basically, I, 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 I had this conception that rehab was, was 28 days. Uh, and they said that that's the soonest you would be able to get out. Okay. Um, so, I think what happened was I was really good. For the first 28 days, made a lot of progress. And then after that, I guess what I found out after is that they, they actually let me go because they didn't feel like they had made any progress in two weeks. And so I just like walled off and wasn't talk, opening up or talking about anything else. And so um, in hindsight, yeah, maybe I wasn't really ready to leave and maybe my parents' money kind of just ran out. Well, your parents weren't rich people. I mean, you know, they're not rich people. You know, my, I didn't grow up with rich parents or anything, too. So, I mean, how 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 did they get you to rehab? Because you're saying this is one of the best in the country. From what I understand, they had to refinance the house. And I mean, that's for your kids. I mean, you were parents now. <laughs> to save your child, you do whatever you can, right? Like, I mean, it's it's... It just is what it is. I mean, how many, you know, like it's to me, it's great to talk about this stuff because how many other people have parents have been in this situation, you know, where they've their house is probably the thing that they've had to do that with. Yeah. Like I th really think that like, I think that, uh, like my parents weren't where they weren't that well off. And, um, and so that really hurt my parents a lot. To put you, finance you to go to rehab. Yeah. Well, but you, like I said, you do, you do what you have to do to save your child. And the last thing they want to see you do is kill yourself over a drug, right? I mean, they did what they thought was the thing they had to do. It just like, you know, we're going to do what we think we have to do for our kids, whatever a situation is that comes up, right? Yeah. And now that we're parents, we can see 
that kind of way I guess a parent would think, right? Mm-hmm. And so what, like, I mean, is there, is there anything you want to say to your parents and like with what happened? I mean, I've said it before, but like it should be said. It's good to have on the record. It's really saved my fucking life. Yeah. You know, I don't, I shouldn't say this is not true. I do like talking about this stuff. It's just really emotional for me. Of course. Because I look back at 19-year-old Tim and see the love and care that I got and that I received. And I'm so lucky. And there's so many people that are in the same situation today with the way scarier drugs floating around, getting mixed into everything. And they don't have that access, right? Yeah. Like a lot of parents... They don't have the support systems. They wouldn't give a fuck enough to take a huge hit. Or they could have parents that are in that same situation as them, so they don't have that support. Or even more likely to be the case that you end up being addicted to drugs or alcohol. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I do want to say, which I don't think a lot of people realize, that alcohol is the number one thing that people are in rehab for. Really? It is the most harmful drug to our society. But so it's like also the most say, accepted too, right? Which, it is. Yeah. 100%. That's why, right? On some level? <sighs> I, probably nicotine's the most, or caffeine's probably the most accepted drug, but... Um, that's true. That, yeah, that, that's probably alcohol, true. <laughs> Right? And, like, devout, hardcore, like, Mormons and stuff don't drink caffeine. Uh, but, like, it's it's definitely a drug. Right? Um, but, like, I think people should know that. For sure. Number two is, like, crack. and Really? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I didn't think crack was really... But like most people, most people in there, it's like alcohol and cocaine. But like, you'd be like, what was your drug of choice? Well, I was doing cocaine during the day. (laughs) Right? I was doing cocaine all the time. My drug drug was definitely cocaine. But there's other people like drink and go to work and stuff like that. And you become chemically dependent on alcohol. That's like super scary. You can actually die from withdrawals of alcohol. So how do they get... the only drug that you can die from from the withdrawals. So how do they get you off of it then when you go to rehab? Like if you... They give you pills and they they check your blood pressure every morning and every evening and do all this extra shit. So the people that came in knew they were from alcohol would get a lot of extra stuff. And then like the people that were coming down on like heroin and like stuff would be like maybe in a little bit more pain for the first week or something but like they weren't actually in any risk of any harm okay yeah so it was just like if they felt sick basically. you would feel really you would get you would feel sick you would get physically sick right because you're needing that it'd be fix. like they like like having like a bad flu Right. Just, yeah, and they just like. So, like, what bed. we see in movies is pretty accurate. Like, when someone's yeah, coming you've off seen of, heroin, like, they look like they're just like flu like. It's like they have a bad up. flu and they have to stay in their room, just like they had a fucking really bad flu. Like, that's. It sucks, but like, and then like. You have a bad flu, but your brain's almost also damaged and craves that drug. Right? And it's craving so, it because it so knows it's going to so get So then better. you just tell, yeah, and then like, that's why they give you these stories. Oh, drug's sick. But yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. It's not great. It's like fucking shitty flu, which can yeah. feel like the end of the world, right? But right. it's well, not. Flu fucking feels like You're not like actually <laughs> in uh, danger. 
Okay. I don't well, know a lot like, about the science behind it, but right. like, I know that those are the facts. Well, it's interesting. A lot of people probably wouldn't know that, though, that, like, for one, it was the number one thing at the time. Maybe not today, but at least when you were there, it was the number one thing, right? I uh, think that there's a lot of numbers that aren't put around publicly and stuff because alcohol lobby is very strong. I, well, I, I that think is that true. absolutely it is the most harmful drug to our society. Uh, and but it's because it's easily. because I, I really do think it's so ex- socially acceptable, right? You go to ball games, it's there. You like any activity, yeah. booze is usually a center for it. Yeah, and I, I like being able to enjoy it, right? Of course. But um, that's why I would say there's so many more people that are... I mean, I can say for myself, first, probably besides caffeine, first mm-hmm. thing I probably tried was alcohol as mm-hmm. a kid, as a teenager. Like getting drunk on weekends with friends like i remember that yeah like and some of it i don't remember and that's super fucking scary to think about is the times yeah, you don't blackout, remember blackout. blackout drinking's insane like, like it's that's the just scariest thing like, you don't black out from cannabis if you do it's because you're actually sleeping yeah <laughs> right um, yeah yeah you know so you know for me like i, I kind of like the big scare with cannabis being legalized now is that well there's so much harm from alcohol because it's so pro- prolific. Well, is the same going to happen from cannabis? And I think that the truth is no, because it's not how the actual math rolls out. And, you know, because so now you can use cannabis instead of alcohol. And if you have a joint, you're much less likely to have that many drinks that you get so fucking toxic. You become a yeah. crazy person. If you drink a lot and then have a joint, you're probably going to puke your brains out. Your night's going to be over. Why is that? Physiologically? Well, yeah, like you've talked about this before. Like a lot of people, like you've had a friend come over, they were drinking, and then they because the, the amount they've consumed. I mean, like so, if they smoked the joint and then consumed that exact amount of alcohol, they probably still puke. Mm. But the thing is, so if you smoke first, you just you just tend to not get so drunk. You tend like because right. the first beer like might affect you more. First of all, right, right, and yeah. so you'll now you only have a couple of drinks, right. Right, and so you might get like kind of like really fucked up a little bit, but like then just be kind of cool and chill. Um, and so like I know that like if I if I'm smoking weed, I'll have two to four drinks, and sometimes I'll just fucking forget my my half drink on the table. It's like, well, I guess I wasn't that thirsty, um, you know. And that's not the same for everybody, but that's that's kind of something that I've noticed. Noticed, people yeah. Have, have said well, well, I I remember like seventeen, like grade twelve, and that with. When I would drink in that, if I smoked, and this this is, <laughs> most people know I, I don't, yeah, smoked, yes, cigarettes. Um, my one year of actual consistent smoking, because I was not, I'm not really a smoker. I have the odd one, like, you know, like once a year, so twice like a, badge a year. badge of honor. Like I smoked consistently. For, for one, one year. year, yeah. But like when I would smoke and drink. I got my smoking badge. My I sash. would get a lot more drunk. Yeah. When I smoked, when I was drinking, right? If I didn't, I didn't feel I got as drunk as fast. Well, cigarettes are a neuro, like nicotine's like a neuro stimulant. Like I think like it's like a, it like helps you focus. And so you make you feel like more in the zone. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, well, we all know drugs affect me fucking terrible. <laughs> but Maybe it's awesome. Maybe you just need to like figure out like your way lower dose. Anyway, so, know. so I mean, I can. I'm not trying to make you use cannabis. No, I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> You already know how that goes anyway. You could ask. (laughs) I know I can. Um, Okay. So when you did leave rehab, where did you go? Like what, what happened? Did you just go home to your parents? What did you do? I did. I went, I went back into my parents' house. That's what I did. 
And what happened from there? I went to meetings, I think, at first almost every single day. Okay. Does everybody know what a meeting is? Like, well, you would have... Did you go to AA or NA? You probably. I was going to both, actually, at first. I was going to NA and AA. Why is that? Uh, I felt that I fit in a little more at NA, but there wasn't very much NA around. At the time. And then in the area, so there's just okay. more Alcoholics Anonymous groups. To go. And they basically, it's the same thing, basically. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, it's interesting. I mean, maybe there's more NA nowadays compared to when you were doing it too, right? I, I think mean, it just depends on the areas that you're in too, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. It so, might not be big enough, like densely populated enough that there's enough room for NA and right. AA groups, so they just do one group. Right. Yeah. Okay. And what did you take from like, not to get you to expose, like, did you feel like, I know there's a step program that did you like go around apologizing to everyone? Like what did, what, what did you take from all your meetings? I don't think I made it, ever made it past step four. Like I never got a sponsor. Like I was doing the step work a little bit when I was in rehab. Um, but like I didn't continue it really when I got into the program. I never got a sponsor. Um, why is that? I just never found a place where, like, they say that you're supposed to go to all these different meetings and then, like, find, like, a place and then, like, make it, like, your home group and then find a sponsor. And, like, I just never really felt like I belonged at any of that shit. Like, I didn't, you know, it was really good and those people were there for me, but, like, I just never, you know, it just wasn't me. So did you start like looking for work in that? Like, what did you? What was your next steps in that in life? Because eventually, I mean, you, so everyone knows. Like, I'm from Vancouver. So was Tim. At some point, you came out here to Calgary. Yeah, I mean, so what happened was like I think I just kind of I can't remember what job I did. I think I, I think I got some work, and but yeah, I just kind of ended up getting back into like you know not you know not feeling great and just I think I did have a relapse in in Ladner before I left um okay so that that was one question I was gonna ask like and most people want to know did you relapse yeah um and but like it wasn't anything big and then like I just like I just kind of felt like you know it would be a good opportunity to kind of man up like I had this big list of things that I had wrote Actually, I think I have that. I might even have the binder. So this is your binder. Yeah, I mean, so like, we wrote down like all these like goals. Actually, like so, like there's some of the step work like all written out here. It's kind of crazy. And so, so you got this? Okay, you got this in rehab. Yeah, this is like this my workbook. This is all the stuff. So they they get you to do step stuff like before, like doing meetings and stuff like. Or you well, do you do meetings? meetings in rehab. Oh, okay. You do meetings. It's on the schedule. Okay. Okay, and so when did you? So you had a relapse in Laudner, and then you decided to come out to Calgary. Something like that. Like I, my sister had already moved out here. I could live with her. And I actually got a job working for my cousin's friend that was kind of like he had started a company. So it was good for me to be able to to come out here and just kind of get a, get a start. Um, so that, that's, that's why I did that. 
And so when you came out to Calgary, were you, did you stay clean out here? Um, for a while I did. Yeah. Um, I stayed clean for the most part for, for a really long time, actually. For mm. maybe two years. Of, off cocaine, though. Off cocaine. Not booze and weed. No, I was using weed and alcohol at this point. And so do you, I mean, how, like, I guess some people would want to know, like, isn't that a bad thing? Like, you went to get Well, clean. like, yeah, I mean, people uh, talk about uh, complete absence in the program. And I found out that, like, for me, like, I, I just didn't feel like it was for me. Like, and I... I you know, I found out I could use alcohol, just I don't use it that much anymore. Right. No, you don't. And uh, I probably do so there now, but back then I, I really couldn't. Like, I, I just would, I would really want to use cocaine back then. Because it was a trigger. It was like a trigger for it, yeah. As soon as you drank alcohol, you would want to use. But so it, the, during those like two years that you were out It wasn't here. too bad because I had like a lot, pretty much like, like a good hard six months of like complete accidents. So it wasn't right. like wasn't like too too bad um and so you had you were like good for two years and what happened to make you go back because uh, i mean you're looking so you got out of rehab at 19 right i think i was just like really lonely i think i think I just, two I, years later i think i kind of dabbled like here and there but i didn't really use use much like i didn't like get back into it like when i had like a relapse it was like a blip you know Mm-hmm. Um, when I did get back into it a little bit was like, it was actually cause I, I was working a, a, a job that I really liked, but like I worked way too many hours and I worked night shift and stuff. And so I started using it again just to like stay awake and, uh, which kind of went against your whole routine thing you learned like in rehab and that, right? Well, I mean, like one of the things they say, I think it was halt and it was like, never get too hungry uh is it angry lonely tired doesn't make sense no i mean don't get too angry this is probably a good thing don't get too lonely don't Don't get get tired tired. i mean that's don't get too hungry i mean all those sound like good things not to be (laughs) i think i was pretty much all of them (laughs) um but at this point in time like you were so two years later you you were 21 you had met me you were clean, I believe, when I first met you. Yeah. Unless I was wrong about that. Oh, I fucking got hammered the night I met you. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like, clean from cocaine. Like, I wasn't aware that you were using no, cocaine. No, I was, I was I like, I was, like, you. using the gym, I think, when I met yes. you. <laughs> yes, you were very, very I think that was, like, big my, and built my gym when I first phase. met you. Um, and so, when was it after that that, like, started going downhill so it was the night shift because you weren't doing night shift when i first or when i met moved in you had but it wasn't right away then yeah because i didn't i don't i don't believe it was anyways yeah i don't know it just like kind of happened over time like i you know and um it wasn't super extreme but like i i I was really pissed about being on night shift and (laughs) yeah so i quit I mean, I think <laughs> like, I don't know what else I to have, say. I have, I have to, to long story short, I do have a bit of other things that I remember that you probably don't of when you were on it because 
Uh, I was doing it a lot more. I wasn't just doing it at work. I was, but I was tired, right? So I was doing it to like be awake and alert for when I was supposed to like be at gatherings with my friends. Like I was hiding my use. Yeah. I was was using it all the time. Just like when I used it before. But I do remember a situation where I woke up for some reason. I woke up. There's something I think wrong with Rosebud or something. I woke up and you were on night shift and it was like 5 a.m. And I called you at work and you weren't there. And they said you hadn't been there since 2 a.m. And you were over at, I won't say his name's house, but mm-hmm. you, you basically, when I mess, was calling you, messaging your cell, they had, uh, you had said, well, I'm at work right now. And I said, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I so saw I was trying to the hide time to like do it and try to somehow have some sort of fun doing it. And so you had left work. <laughs> Didn't work out it. too well. No, because <laughs> I came home that morning to, or that night when you had left for a night shift, basically to a massive note from you that you knew you'd fucked up. Oh, I left you a huge note? Yes, you did. You left me a huge note at the time. And probably because basically I had caught you in a major relapse because yeah. you had been using it a lot. And I didn't know you had at the time. Yeah. Um, and so though that was one major one that I had remembered. It it is a sh- it is a small you know like Tim and I have been together for eleven years. Um, when I look back, it is a small blip. At the time, it didn't seem like it, but it was a small blip in our relationship. That was it, it did cause a bit of you know stern ruckus, for sure. Because I mean you wouldn't have had your actual normal emotions right when you're on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it is, I mean, it's hard to have a relationship when you're not your real self, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I know it did cause some problems uh, around our wedding time. Not because you were doing it then, because you would come clean to me before we got married about some past stuff and that. Um, which, as much as some of it's upsetting, it's it was good because you felt like I needed to know it and you... And that's what told me how clean you actually were, too. Right? Um, in my mind, anyways. Because when you're that truthful to me, you know, I I do think you're not using. Personally. Hmm. Am I wrong? I don't think someone using drugs makes them an automatic liar. I'm not saying liar, but you hid more. You hid stuff more. But that's what the innuendo of what you're saying is. So I kind of okay. agree with it. Okay. Well, I do think you hid stuff more when you were using Oh, absolutely. It. And so that's what I'm trying to say is you didn't, you were way more open with me when you weren't using. Right. Right? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. Right. I mean, I'm not hiding anything when you're not hiding anything. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> not like, to make I didn't, like, just because I was using it didn't mean every word that came out of my mouth was. No, and that's not what I'm saying. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying that at all. I just believe because you felt like you had to tell me of things that had happened, like, uh, in the past and that, you you were most likely not using to tell me all this stuff right. is what I kind of came to. You know, um, on some level, like, coming from my perspective, you know, there's always that fear for me that is there something that's going to trigger you that you want to go back to it, you know? And I mean, we've had, you know, like, I don't feel like in the last, uh, sorry, sorry, not just to, just to, just not to skip over 
too, too quickly. Like, Mm -hmm. I think part of the reason that, like, I also shared so much is, like, you know, part of uh, my use really was about isolating and all that. And so Mm -hmm. as much as it sounds crazy, it was actually a huge relief to get caught. And so I just wanted to share more, really. Well, you are a very open person that shares a lot. <laughs> um, I don't like to hide things. It can oh, kind I know. Of, it can kind uh, of boil my blood a little bit. And I think it's what triggers you, too, uh, to want to use, is when you have to hide stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you don't like bottling things down, is what I've... Okay, because there, the few times that I caught very minor relapses, like, it had to have been within only, like, two days, right? This was, like... Like it happened, I caught it so fast and it was like the way you did it, it was like you wanted to get caught. I felt like, like, cause it was so obvious to me. Now, granted, I did have like the experience of seeing what I would be looking for. Like, you know, your mom had always told me that she, cause I said, I never knew, like when you first started doing it in our relationship, I never ever like knew, like I had no idea, right? Because I wasn't knowing what to look for. And one of the things your mom said to me was, he, when he looks at you, he just doesn't even look like he's there. That's how, that's the, that was the biggest take that she got. And that's what I started noticing later on mm-hmm. is if you did, if you did do it and you haven't done it in how many years now? I mean, it's been a long time now. Not since before we got married. So, I mean, we've been married six years. So it's, I mean, it's been a long time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, we've been married six years. <laughs> um, do you know the exact days? No. Is that weird to you? Like a lot of people like know like the exact, oh, it's been like 225 you know days. Like, I think that's like, that's like living your life in a fucking jail cell. Why are you counting days? Maybe for some day, maybe, like it's your last day. Like, but maybe some people it's a I lot think that's harder like, to. That's like how I used to kind of live my life when I was in the program. And that fucking life sucked for me. Mm-hmm. But it helps. Right, like you at I don't want to live time. my like. If you're counting the days, like fuck, dude. Like you need to change your life. That's how I feel about that. Like, and some people like it was like a rebirth for them. It, it wasn't for me. I did drugs because I didn't love myself. Okay, and the more I can work on loving myself more and accept love from people, the better I get. Right. You know, I'm still not there all the time. But everyone, but you must admit, like, everyone is different, right? So if it helps, if for someone to know the exact days, maybe that actually helps them to stay clean. it helps them, but I don't think it does, man. I don't know. There's not a lot of people that that really count the days, like, you know, like, you do when you're in the program. But people that are in the program every day, they're, like, mostly just hanging on it. Some people, yeah, it really works for and it's their way to give back to the community. And that's a good way to help them stay clean. It just didn't work for me. So I can't speak right. to it too much. I don't understand it. Well, that's fine. But everyone's different. Everybody. But Right. So everyone's different. Everyone's right. different, right? Like you, your rock bottom happened in six months. Right. Like, thing, right? According to people in 12-step would say I'm still an addict. And I'm on the marijuana maintenance program is what they would fucking call it. What does that mean? Marijuana maintenance. <laughs> so like a lot of people in NA and stuff keep using marijuana, except for all those programs preach 100% abstinence of all drugs, which includes cannabis. But I mean, if you use cannabis, it can help you get by. 
uh, and be a lot less harmful than any other drugs. Not right. going to hurt you. Uh, but what they say is it maintains your addiction, so they call it the marijuana maintenance program. Because you don't, you're not really sick anymore. Right. But it keeps you an addict. And I don't, I don't necessarily believe that because I have cog, cog like I've thought about, it. I've, 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 I've thought it through many times. I've had breaks, cannabis breaks, and you know people have been around me, and uh, I think that <laughs> in the right dosage, it really does help stabilize my mood and help me focus in a way that's positive and productive. Uh, and yeah, if I if you if you use more, there's an intoxicating effect, like most drugs. Um, so, but like I use it, so I do use it in a medical way and I do use it in a recreational way. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I just want to jump back to when you said that most people would still call you an addict in that. Um, I've heard, I've heard them say that no, most people wouldn't call me an addict. Most people accept drinking and, and, and now cannabis. Use. No, no, but it was what you said before. Like most people would say you're on the medical people, people uh, in the. In, in the program. In yeah. the program. In yeah. NA, NA or AA. Yeah. Right. Um, but like, is, is this true or false that once you're an addict, you're always an addict. You're just, you're just recovering if you're like in your situation. Some people debate that. Okay. I what, think, what do you feel? Do you feel like you're always an addict? It's just, I'm dealing with being a sober person every day. Is that how you see it? I think it's a good thing to tell someone that's in recovery. Okay. I think it's really important. Like it's a really good mindset to not, it's just to help you not think that you can just, just like, it's not a good idea to go and use drugs again. Right. <laughs> um, that being said, like through the lens of 13 years or 14 years later, uh, through my brain, probably finishing growing right. and me, uh, doing a lot of therapy and re-nurturing re re my wounds. Um, it's I'm a different person because I've changed my personality because I've changed my personal reality through doing hard fucking work over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not the same person I was. And I don't feel like I'm fucking empty inside and shit, you know? I think that I could love myself a lot more and that's something that I'm still working on every fucking day. Uh, and I, I think a lot of people are working I, on yeah, that. Yeah, that's why I want to say it so that everyone knows that because it looks like I'm a really confident guy and I am more confident than most people. So people should know that that's something that I have to work on and I still struggle with. Um, you know, and, and, and everybody should just love themselves more. I think that's just that just goes without saying. Mm -hmm. can't, you can't yeah. have enough gratitude for for living on this earth yeah and that is that is what keeps me fucking sober is just being gra grateful for the opportunity of every day for sure so yeah. kind of wrapping up here what do you what do you want to say to addicts who are struggling or addicts that have like figured it out maybe there's two maybe there's two things you want to say here to like addicts that are struggling let's say you know like what do you what, what's kind of like a send-off that you want to say to everyone I mean, if you're, if you're struggling right now, um, like I wish I knew where to tell you to go for help, but you gotta, you gotta talk to someone you trust and start, start finding some help because you're not going to be able to get to, to bite this thing on your own. Um, if you feel like you have 
uh, an addiction and it's hurting your life in a way that you don't want it to continue. It doesn't have to continue. Um, but it's going to mean probably getting out of your family system. It's going to mean getting away uh, and getting into a, a, a new life. And it's the fucking hardest thing you'll ever do. But if you can overcome this addiction, you're going to become a fucking juggernaut of a person. <laughs> you don't know how many people that are in the program that are fucking famous, extremely successful uh, entrepreneurs, very, very wealthy people, because what you learn through overcoming drugs is a way to manipulate and change reality in a way in which you'll never be scared of anything ever again in your life. Because overcoming um, the fear of being controlled by a substance um, is, 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 it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it is difficult. I don't, if it wasn't, I don't look down my nose (laughs) um, at fucking drug addicts. I don't fucking look down my nose at them. I want to go fucking hug them. And it's (sighs) shitty that we don't have, you know, better systems out there with the government that, can help addicts more, right? I mean, it's 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 tough to ask an addict that wants to go to rehab to wait two weeks and not potentially just get back into a downward spiral, right? Like, I mean, somehow you pushed yourself to do it, but there's people out there that can't. Yeah, and even if I did, like, I had my parents there and stuff, and um, yeah, they, the, the access isn't there. It's not treated as a serious health issue, and... Any person that is a young person, we're talking 40, 40 to 15 years old, that is the age group. And that is the age group is passing away on the streets. Mm-hmm. Like, no tomorrow. Yeah. Right? So these people are smoking fucking strips cut off of fentanyl patches because they're so yeah. fucking desperate. Gross shit is going on. Um, you know, like, there's there's a really good argument for medical heroin just to be distributed, like... I don't know, guys. It's uh, it it's, scares the shit out of me. It's a scary world out there right now. You know, it totally is. Um, I think that there needs to be more access. We need to treat this as a very serious health issue. I agree. Um, I'm a very productive person in society. Um, I helped, uh, you know, one of my previous employers make an enormous amount of revenue. I made a lot of money working for them. I built a company with my own hands. Um, I bought a house. I got you a beautiful wife, <laughs> two beautiful kids, three dogs, and none of that shit would have ever happened. And that's why it's so sad. Not having the... That people don't get that opportunity. Yeah. To hit reset, to get some love from some professionals because some people aren't born with the smartest parents in the world. Right. And I had good, loving parents, but they all had their own wounds and made well, some fucking does. mistakes. And I'm sure we've made our own mistakes with our own kids. Of and course. I love my parents. And I'm so grateful for the way my life turned out. Um, but for any kid that is ready to pull the trigger and says, I want help. And there's not a fucking bed that was just as good as the one I got. That is wrong. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to keep happening. Well, hopefully we can start seeing changes 
for the future for for these kids and I, because realistically you know like we've we've got we've got a terrible situation that's happening right now with fentanyl i mean it's fucking terrible you know it's fucking killing people faster than they've had in for so long you know and that's that's totally scary and i i do believe i think yes it's your choice to use drugs but when you're addicted it's hard to get you know like people need help and that's one of the biggest things i think yeah. today that people you know we get told all the time people aren't asking for help enough well here's the problem when you ask for help all of a sudden now we can't fucking get it if you're in these situations and that's scary and wrong like you said well, like, I don't know if this is the case, but I did hear a news story at one point, and this was a person in Ontario that was really against safe injection sites, and they were a drug user. And it was because they felt like maybe it was taking money away from the rehab system. And they, so he had, he had access in his area to a safe injection site, but he didn't have access to a rehab. And he hadn't found, he wasn't strong enough or able enough to get himself clean for the two weeks that I guess you were mandated for two weeks or right. something, but there was no, there was no government detox to help you get clean for the two weeks to get into the, no. the rehab. And I think it was just a thing to kind of make sure, keep, you know, keep, because there's, there's, there's a big problem. Of course. So you can disqualify most of the candidates. You don't actually have to build more facilities, which cost millions and millions of dollars. Right. And then millions and millions of dollars to continue to staff the facility. Right. Like I think that, they weren't, you know, no one's getting super high wages at the Cedars. And I think my stay was $150 a day. Wow. Right? And so... That's crazy. Wow. You know, times BC taxes plus, you know, maybe there's some tax write-offs there. I would hope so. Well, but, yeah, I mean, I think it, would, I think it amounted to about fifteen k is what my rehab costs. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, you but know? you think about some of these heart surgeries and stuff. If you're in and the unit yeah. system, they're charging you a hundred grand for that stuff. And they do this stuff to 50-year-olds every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why aren't it's... we going to spend 20 grand on our fucking youth? Because it might not work the first time. Well, a lot of these other medical treatments don't work the first time. So if we don't have that, our medical system is broken. What's scary to me is I don't believe they took money from the rehab system. I believe they found money to be able to use for the, these safe injection sites. When really they should have found money to put more money in towards these rehab centers. I think that they should have safe injection sites. I think that all drugs should be legalized. I think it is a good way to monetize it. We can get uh, the, the, the messaging out where we sell the drugs. We can make sure the safe injection sites are there so people can safely consume the drugs. We can use the money to help fund the rehab. We can make sure drugs aren't cut and they're not going to kill people. Um, basically... It, it, it's all solutions but when you go to that safe injection site instead of the drugs actually being paid for and making money we're paying for it and then we can't afford to pay for fucking rehab well i'm telling you we can't afford i mean what what young fucking 15 to fucking 40 year olds do when they're fucking on drugs is most of the fucking crime that exists in our society okay when they're fiending for it when they're on it mm-hmm it is and alcohol when they're fucking you, too drunk. Um, like, I think but, I think some people's like, uh, like concern is if you legalize everything, are we not going to just see it everywhere more? 
Like, are we just going to see people now constantly shooting up on the street and stuff like that? Now, if you go on East Hastings, you will see that. If you have places <laughs> for people to shoot up indoors, they will be shooting up indoors more likely. I don't think anybody is going to, is all that interested in using heroin. I think it's a pretty desperate situation when you start using heroin. Right. Okay. Is there a bunch of people that are really stoked that if heroin gets legalized tomorrow? I don't know. I think least. maybe people like me that believe that this will make society better and have an overall good and actually heal more people than it hurts. We're going to be pretty stoked on it, but no one's stoked to go get ripped on heroin. Right. Except for someone that's, I mean, there's a, there's a few people. I mean, they're, they're fiending they, for it. You know, for sure. For sure. There's a few people. I shouldn't say that, but like people that aren't already heroin users, like that's, that's again, like, I think that you already like, they're really disrespecting your body. Right. And, you know, like, I think that one of the things about drug use is it's a slow suicide. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Most people, it's like they got some childhood trauma or they don't love themselves or they, they're just confused and their beliefs are fucked up. Right. Um, a whole bunch of things, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's why people use. It's escapism. It's, you know, or it's just kind of like, you know, there's definitely some people that are like me where the cannabis does seem to level you out to some mm-hmm. degree right mm-hmm. like yeah. i remember going to work one day and i had someone say oh like i didn't smoke any weed like are you are you high it's like oh no i'm just looks like i was really hyper I just, that's how i am and i like being that way <laughs> i actually had uh, how many people <laughs> how many people i've actually had say to me when you haven't smoked weed like in a long time or something like it you woke up and you didn't like go smoke weed at all and it's like now the afternoon and they said to me is everything okay with why is he acting so hyper i'm like that's him that's literally his normal self i'm like i I know it's crazy (laughs) i know it's i like it's at the point now where like i mean i've known for years where i go to you and i say you need to go outside to the garage. Like, like it, you're, you're a lot right now. <laughs> cause you, cause you're so hyper. Like you're just in my face and I'm like, mm-hmm. and you talk really fast and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know, I know. And then you come back in and it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, we can have like a easier conversation now. Cause now you're not just so like eager to like get the next word in. And it's just, it's, it is, it's crazy that that's how, cannabis can change you in that sense right like it it helps you focus it helps you come to that kind of level right Mm -hmm. i mean there's nothing wrong with you not smoking it at all but i see i see the difference Mm -hmm. right and that's what you were talking about some people ask you like are you on something because you're so hyper in that right now it's like no that is what you right yeah like i have to smoke a lot of weed before people think that i'm stoned (laughs) oh i know (laughs) <laughs> like when people see the dabs I do, they're a little bit shocked unless they're hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, this was a lot to talk about today. Like, uh, emotionally, this was a lot, I know, for, to ask of you to talk about today and that. Um, I think it's a really good topic, though, to talk about for people to hear in that. Um, so thank you for doing it. I love you. Uh, you know what? I was actually really looking forward to talking about this. Um, it's something that's difficult, but I think that when you're feeling that difficulty, it's because you're, you're, you're hitting a, a vibration that's really important and, and, and meaningful to me. So I hope that this reaches some people and helps some people. And if anybody wants to reach out, they can hit up at Tom Cruise of Rosin on Instagram. 
And honestly, I will fucking talk to you. Uh, I've been there. And uh, you, you can start tomorrow or right now. Yeah. 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 Um, I just want to thank all my listeners again for listening. Again, you know, if you do have any questions, contact Tim at Tom Cruise at Rosin um, on Instagram there. Uh, give me a like. I would appreciate it on Instagram too. Uh, you're on with Ashley Goring. Um, also to all my fans, you know, like I see that I do have some fans in that out and listeners. Subscribe anyways. to the podcast. Yes. Subscribe to my podcast on um uh, well, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can or wherever you're listening to. Also, giving a review on like Apple Podcasts does help too. So if you're able to do that, I would very much appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, if you have, again, any suggestions of topics that you would like me to look into, just message me at my Instagram at you're on with Ashley Goring. Uh, I'd love to chat with you. And um, thank you everyone for listening again. I hope again this uh, episode helped someone out there. Uh, but have a calculated day.